Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. In this passage, we have a picture of what a believer is supposed to look like to others. Paul starts out this passage with an acknowledgement of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We have been raised with Christ. And this is what water baptism represents, that death and burial of our old selves and then the resurrected new life that Christ has given us. And that life transforms us out of darkness and into the light. This is the new life Jesus explained to the religious leader Nicodemus in John chapter 3, where Jesus said in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So sifting through this passage, we find different opinions among scholars as to what being born of water means. But it appears this refers to the natural birth as compared to the spiritual birth. We are born once naturally, and we die once naturally. And some are born a second time spiritually, so they have two births a natural and a spiritual birth. Likewise, for some, there are two deaths, a natural death where our bodies die, releasing our spirit, and a second death. For unbelievers, there are two deaths, the natural death and the spiritual death. In Revelation 2.11, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And there will be a resurrection of the dead. The first resurrection of the dead occurs prior to the thousand-year reign of Christ. In Revelation 20, verse 6, it says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So the first resurrection is for the children of God. The second resurrection is for everyone else. And it says in Revelation 20, verse 14, Then death and Hades were thrown into the fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And Revelation 21, 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, 
the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The believer is born twice and dies once. The unbeliever is born once and dies twice. Everyone will be resurrected. It just depends on our standing in the family of God that determines which resurrection we'll be part of. And all this is coming. But for many of those already in eternity, their future is locked in place. So for now, during this life, we either live for Jesus as obedient slaves to him or we don't. If we don't, there's a danger that we are really not born of the Spirit because when we are born of the Spirit, it means God's Spirit is now in us. And if God's Spirit is now in us, we must yield to the Spirit. Being born of the Spirit and then disregarding our relationship with Jesus is what he referred to in Matthew chapter 13 when he taught the crowds about the person who will actually receive him and become profitable for the kingdom of God. It says in Matthew 13 verse 3, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. Another way of saying that is a farmer went out to plant seed. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil, and it produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears... Let him hear. So the four types of soil represent four types of people who hear the gospel and how they respond to the message. And three of the four do not produce anything for the kingdom, but the one whose heart and mind is like fertile soil prepared to receive the seed, it yields a crop. It's these who yield a crop for the Lord that Paul is addressing in Colossians chapter 3. These are the believers Paul tells to set their minds on things above, not on things of this world. Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And the writer continues in the chapter in verse 6, it says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So in this life, we receive discipline from the Lord. Discipline is where we get our word disciple. And while the word is used very loosely in our culture, Disciples were supposed to learn and act like their teachers, and discipline is a part of that process. Look at how many parents do not discipline their children. When the kids grow up, they don't act like their parents, typically. And what they have learned is that they are the center of the universe. So their discipling failed to produce a good crop, rather a miserable one, due to the lack of discipline. So when Paul continues to exhort the Colossian believers, he's teaching them so they can act like Jesus, who is our true discipler. 
And that means we put off the old sin which we were delivered from when we were born of the Spirit. That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is all about, teaching us to avoid the things that are wicked. And going back to Colossians 3.8, it says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So being instructed for good is profitable to anyone seeking to live a purposeful life. In Proverbs 2.6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path, for wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So there's safety in obeying God, safety from all sorts of evil, so that we can now put on the things that are appropriate for the child of God. And going back to Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So that process of moving from darkness to light, it doesn't typically happen instantaneously. Rather, it's a process where we are constantly evaluating our actions and deciding whether we will be a fertile field for Jesus or not. Thank you.